You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello, welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to highlight our ideal Super Bowl matchups and take you round the league with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport and Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. And Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with friend of the show and former Raiders lineman, Lincoln Kennedy. Link, thanks again for taking the time to join us today. How are you? Wonderful. Be well. Cordell, how you guys doing, man? We are doing very well. Doing we great. appreciate you being available. So take us back to your playing experience in Oakland when John Gruden was a young head coach. What were the qualities that made him so effective then? Well, back then, he had a very simplistic system, and I think Cordell might have played in that Pro Bowl he was coaching. Didn't you, Cordell? Did we yes, play together did. in that Pro Bowl? Yeah, we yeah, were together. You and I. System, very easy to understand and, and easy to manipulate and master. And, you know, for athletes, the, the best thing for them is that you you just have muscle memory and, and, and the less thinking you're doing out there, the more effective you are. So, you know, it was it was a, a way for me to actually propel my career in the next level and being all pro and stuff like that and playing under him. Very simple and easy, understandable system. Lincoln, when you think about the things that Keyshawn Johnson mentioned on there in L.A. on ESPN, saying that he's really intense and sometimes can be aggravating or things can become really frustrating, then you hear Rich Gannon when coming to do his interview to maybe be the quarterback's coach, he says he's a little too intense. How do you think that will help a Derek Carr to transcending into being a more consistent and efficient quarterback in the league? Oh, it won't help him. The intensity won't help him. I mean, the thing is, is that Derek Carr is cut from a different cloth. Derek Carr is a a, a laid back, low key, you know, religious, family oriented guy. Gruden can't take the same approach that he did back in the day against Rich Gannon or Jeff George or other quarterbacks that he coached and, and expect Derek to be effective. The way that he's going to be able to manage Derek Carr is through is just through utilizing Derek's abilities to make him more effective on the football field. That will get Derek Carr fired up, and that's also going to be you know transcended from the quarterback coach, whoever decide to have the quarterback coach is going to be able to relay that. Gruden's one of these guys that um, what he most has, to, what he mostly has to do is learn how to manage today's personality, player personality. Guys like Derek Carr, guys like Khalil Mack, guys like Amari Cooper are very different, and it's very different than when he when he first started because Gruden was committed to the craft. He spent countless hours at the facility trying to do the same thing with Rich Gannon and stuff like that, and Rich was a, an, an ultimate student. Rich was the first one to go and the last one to leave. It doesn't work that way these days. You've got to leave a lot. You can't work with guys as as directly as you did because of the CBA. That's going to be different for him. So he's got to learn a way to manage and get his intensity or actually get his focus uh, to be absorbed uh, because he won't have as much time as he did in the past. Chatting with our friend Linky Kennedy, sideline analyst, Raiders Radio Network. You have a great vantage point on the field during the broadcast. So as you watch Carr this year, beyond the back injury, why do you think he took a step back statistically? They didn't give him enough options to me in, in the passing game. The passing game was extremely limited. They went for 50-50 balls. They went for stop routes, back shoulder throws. That was it. it was, you know, you look around the league, people were in crossing rounds of digs left and right. Uh, and, and it was it was very elementary. Uh, and I think that because he didn't have a number of options, he was left to force the ball in awkward places where it came up for turnovers, or he was waiting for somebody to get open. Uh, the the route running um, the, the, it wasn't you know the execution wasn't that great because the receivers weren't always getting a lot of separation. So he relied on Michael Crabtree to be because Michael Crabtree is more of an aggressive style receiver, especially with his hands. He 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 relied on Crabtree a whole lot. 
um, and then throwing up a lot of balls, just uh, you know, 50-50 balls. Amari Cooper were able to come up with them, but more times than not this season, they were also interceptions. Marshawn Lynch has come in this past season and, and, and kind of re- re-energized the community there in Oakland. Do you think Rich, um, John Gruden actually allows him to stay another year? That's a good question. I think there's going to be some tweeting because the personalities, I think, are just too far, too different than Gruden. What I mean by that, if you take a look back what he did in, in, in Tampa Bay, I mean, he got rid of Warren Sapp. He got rid of Keyshawn Johnson. You know what I mean? He let those guys go because he thought he could do better elsewhere. I don't know if he's one to have an, an, out, an outgoing personality like a Marshawn Lynch um, or a Crabtree or some of the other guys he has on this roster. He's going to have to tweak it because he's going to have to get players who can definitely buy into him. And there are a lot of guys that, that in the locker room who are doing their own thing. Marshawn is good for Oakland. I don't necessarily know if he's good for the Raiders. So they got to they got to evaluate. They got to do a lot of evaluating to do. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. We know that the Raiders' defense allowed way too many big plays, but as we look at the talent level, beyond Khalil Mack, how many skilled players do you see on that side of the football? Is this something they have to upgrade through the process of the draft or making a splash in free agency? Well, they got to upgrade it through the draft like they did last year. The only bad part is that their top two draft picks did play. You know, so that, that, that limits you when you're talking about building the foundation through the draft. I think, however, they need to use this first pick in the draft to go out there and get a linebacker. Um, and then, you know, you still have to help out in the secondary. Um, you're going to have to get uh, you're going to have to get even another corner because Sean Smith was not what you wanted. You're going to probably parting ways with him. Um, so there's still a lot of work to do. This defense still has a lot of work to do, but it's got a good nucleus. I think Eddie Vanderdose played pretty well for his position. I think, you know, Mario Edwards Jr., Jr., when he's healthy, he can be suitable as a defensive tackle. But it's been a long time since the Raiders really had a, a defensive tackle who could really push the pocket. And I don't know if that's necessarily available in the draft, per se, haven't gotten to that part of evaluation. But I do think they, need to, they definitely need to get another linebacker to help Navarro Bowman in there. Hey Jack, we can all say Jack Darrell came in and had some success uh, with this team. Does John Gruden take him to the next level? Well, to find the next level. I mean, uh, the let's say is, get to the postseason and win a game. Well, okay. Well, the, the, the being realistic, I think they can they can win the division. I think this division is weak enough and inconsistent enough with the, the amount of turmoil that's going to happen in this offseason to where the Raiders can take that and win the division. Now, if you, I'm not going to say they're they're ready to go to Super Bowl, but it depends on how the playoffs fall. I mean, this is a team that's better suited to face somebody at home than, say, go on the road. I don't think they can, you know, the current setting situation, I don't think they can go to Pittsburgh and beat Pittsburgh. I don't think they can go to New England and beat New England. So we're talking about the upper tier of the AFC. I, I don't know where that puts them. They're going to have to win enough games to get a home game. If they win a division, they can do that. They're facing a wild card. Yeah, I think they can win one, one playoff game. Blank, last one for me. Let's draw on your expertise. Raiders had the highest paid offensive line in all of football. What happened to that unit this year? Inconsistencies, inconsistencies through execution. The, the Donald Penn holdout at training camp ruined his timing, which really affected him throughout the entire season. More importantly, there were a lot of times, a lot of instances where the backs hit the wrong hole. Derek made the wrong cars, calls when he was going with check with me system, running into an eight nine man box. Um, but when people knew Marshawn Lynch was in the game, it just it, there was execution, poor execution across the line. And really, you know, a lot of those guys were playing way too high, way too many times. I was surprised they had many guys went to the Pro Bowl. Lincoln, great information as always. We appreciate the time. As we say goodbye, as a proud Washington alum and a member of the College Football Hall of Fame and a colleague of mine at Pac-12 Networks, I was trying to include Cordell in the Pac-12 family because Colorado joined our Conference of Champions. He said, whoa, 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 I'm a Big 8 guy. 
<laughs> hey, that's not come wrong, on, is now. it? Come on, come on with it. Come on over here. To, come on over to the Pac-12. Like, well, I'm over, over there. I'm over, over there by default because <laughs> I have no choice. But when it comes down to what I've done, it goes back to the Big Eight, which I think those numbers now carry over to the Pac-12. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that what happens now? I, that I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. But hey, that's I'll why think, I say Big Eight. Look, you're, you're welcome. You're, you're, the Buffs are welcome to part of the family. They put they put a couple of <laughs> lickings on us when we played them. So I know. Uh, I know they, they're, they're good stuff. We'll they're put it this way. When they have a Big 8 network, Cordell can work for them. You and I will stick right. with the Pac-12 networks, all right? <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Link. Take care. Have a good one, guys. See you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we welcome in NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, as always, we appreciate the time. We'll get to New York momentarily, but let's start in Pittsburgh. What can you tell us about Steelers cornerback Artie Burns apparently suffering a knee injury today at practice? He did go down in practice today, I'm told, a non-contact injury, and definitely scary, really scary. Um, But from what I understand, his ligaments are intact, and that is the early word. The reports were positive. You know, we'll see about his status um, on this, when is it, Sunday? On Sunday, was it? Yeah, whenever it is. Whenever they play that game, we'll see about his status. Um, but I'm told it was not as bad as it could have been, and obviously a huge, huge sigh of relief for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that they need as much as they can get to get this victory because Jacksonville is really darn good. But let's talk about Philadelphia. They're underdogs at their own place. Uh, what energy are you yeah. getting out of Philadelphia knowing that Atlanta can possibly come into Philly and get a victory? You know, they're, they're, they're definitely going to be um, – <laughs> definitely going to be uh, like the sort of underdogs, but, um, you know, disrespected, um, you know, no one gives them a chance, all, all that kind of stuff. That's what you're going to hear out of, out of Philadelphia this week. And it's crazy because they're the number one seed. And, you know, I kind of laughed this weekend when Alabama, um, you know, won the national title and was like, no one gave us a chance. Literally no one is actually giving the Eagles a chance. I think they do have a chance because they're, they're still a good team regardless of who their quarterback is. Um, and I'm not so sure about Atlanta, but I know that everyone's basically written them off. Taking around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, where do things stand with the Giants coaching search? What are the names we need to know at this stage of the process? Well, um, you know, I think they've, they've completed the interview process. Eric Studisville was done today. Um, and to me, it, it really seems like it's going to come down to Matt Patricia or Steve Wilkes. Um, and, you know, there's a report today that Patricia was a favorite. I'm not so sure about that. My understanding is the process is not done. Plus, I know he's got strong interest from the Detroit Lions. Um, so there's, there's still, some, still a lot of things to figure out. Only four openings left. It's rare at this time of year. Only four openings left. Um, you know, but 
there's still a lot of jockeying, not a ton of candidates. So I think everyone's sort of trying to stake their claim a little bit. Kirk Cousins seems as if he's going to be the hot guy on the market, of course, if the Redskins don't keep him. And, and that's what we're assuming, that he may exercise his opportunities elsewhere. Uh, how things are looking for him, and will he probably outprice the market, considering that he's had two franchise tags tagged to him over the last two years? Well, that, that's a big curiosity. And, you know, we can all talk about how hot a quarterback he is, and believe me, he is a, he is a hot candidate. Um, his... You know, him being a free agent is something that rarely, rarely happens because free, franchise quarterbacks in their prime never hit free agency. We'll see what ends up happening with the Redskins if they decide to not franchise him. Um, you know, but how many teams are going to be out there willing to spend $27, $28 million, $30 million a year on a quarterback that they've never seen before? You know, the... The Texans did it with Brock Osweiler, and obviously it did not work out. $18 million a year did not work out. Um, he's going to have a market, but I'll be curious how many teams say, you know what, we're going to go get this guy rather than drafting someone early. You know, it's probably not going to be a team like the Giants. You know, maybe a team like the Broncos could certainly see that situation. Um, but, you know, his whether or not he's franchised is going to be one of the most interesting stories of this offseason. Ian Rappaport is our guest on the NFL on tune. And Ian, what does the addition of Elliot Wolf coming over from the Packers mean to the Browns front office? That's right. Assistant general manager that happened today for John Dorsey. And, and you know, suddenly this Browns front office, which has been not good, uh, really not good, um, you know, for, for the last several years, um, has shaping up to be one of the best. I mean, three really good, respected evaluators, Dorsey, Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, um, also in there really good. So the Browns have a lot of picks. They accumulate a lot of picks. That's never been an issue. Now they have actually some really good personnel men. They all got four-year deals, so hopefully they'll be there for a while, and we might see sort of the Browns getting ready to turn now. Matt Nagy, the former offensive coordinator in Kansas City, now the head coach in Chicago. Uh, Give me your take on why Chicago with Mitchell Trubisky and not Andrew Luck in Indy? There is some trepidation about Andrew Luck. Um, I, I mean, I, I know that. Um, there are some people who aren't quite sure about his health, and that has absolutely affected the process. Um, you can't guarantee he's going to be healthy. I mean, I know everyone wants it and hopes it. You just can't do it. It's a shoulder that they thought would be ready last year. No one knows. Um, so... You know, that, that has led some candidates to say, let's, let's hold on. What am I getting? Now, obviously, the Colts have a top pick that could take a quarterback anyway, but they are in a difficult situation if Luck cannot play. And, you know, with the Bears, if you like Mitchell Trubisky, and I know people do, maybe, probably not the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks drafted last year, but he could develop into a really solid starter. Um, that gives you a better base. And, you know, Ryan Pace has done a good job drafting, um, and they got a good young team. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll they'll move forward with Matt Nagy. Ian, as always, we appreciate the information since you're always scooping us with breaking news. Sources close to the NFL on tune in confirming that Steeler game is on Sunday. There you go. There you go. It's amazing how I don't know that, but you knew that. You? We had a fifty-fifty shot. Yeah, we yeah, and I still screwed it up. <laughs> it's radio, my man. It's theater of the mind. Thank you, Ian. We'll chat with you next week.
Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for Cordell and I to detail the Super Bowl matchups we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Cordell, I saw this item today on ProFootballTalk.com. I want to give them attribution because there's too much stealing going on in our business. The Gallup poll people have been conducting this poll for eight decades now. Simple question. What is your favorite sport to follow? No surprise, football number one, that includes college football. The generic description of football came in number one. Would you like to guess what is the second favorite sport to follow according to this Gallup poll? I would naturally assume, because I follow it so much, I would say the NBA basketball. And that is a recent development. Basketball now number two over the last decade or so at 11%. Football number one, 37%. Basketball number two, 11%. Followed by baseball, 9%. Soccer, 7%. So if we're talking about that kind of disparity, football way at the top, 37%. Basketball, 11% is the reporting that's occurred throughout the regular season. And now we have the final tally from the entire football season heading into the playoffs. Is the reporting that the NFL has, quote-unquote, a ratings crisis overblown because the numbers deserve some context. Yes, ratings were down roughly 10% for the entire regular season, but Roger Goodell pointed out this key metric as well this week, and this was news to me, 37 of the most Watch programs among the top 50 in all of TV. 37 out of 50 last year, Cordell, were NFL games. Wow. I mean, that, that, I mean it's expected to, to be, I would say, that the television show or, or, or thing to watch would be at the highest levels with the National Football League because it's shown more than any other show. Uh, when it comes to things you watch during the prime times of the year. You know, your kids go to school and, 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 and it's the latter part of the season going into the holidays. You know, what are you watching? What are you turning on when it comes when it comes down to television? You're actually watching National Football League. And then, of course, we know f- basketball comes into play. And around Christmas time, that's when it becomes heavy loaded. Uh, when it comes down to a multitude of games that's been being played on that one particular day. But when it comes to the National Football League, I think when you think about stars, when you think about great organizations, when you think about great teams and the anticipation of, of what you're involved with as a parent and, and just as a sports follower in general, I think the National Football League still uh, is king and always will be just because it has, I think, a moxie that's different than any other sport. Uh, it, there's more controversy in it, a little more drama 
in it. Basketball, there's more transparency. You see the guys' faces, they're real cool, they're real laid back, have the fresh cuts, they're dressing really, really nice. Well, football players, they have fans who are about as crazy as any other fans and who are allowed to be crazy than any other sport out there in sports, like the Raiders. What John Gruden went back to. They called him they call him Chucky. Matter of fact, he talked about uh, he was so happy. Uh, he said it seemed like the fans were coming from from out of the ground, like they're coming from the dead, so to speak. But thinking about the black hole and all of the costumes that they wear and all their antics, as well as uh, the, some of the drama that they create and how we follow the game. It's totally different. I think NBA is a very good sport. It's fun. Some great stars. But the following is not as dramatic. It's not, I would say, structurally, you don't do the, you don't analyze the same way in basketball as you do football. Two of them, Cordell. Eighty-two regular 82 season games. But you're, but you're still not analyzing. Who are you talking about in basketball? You're talking about LeBron James, right? All right. You're talking about KD. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kevin Durant. Uh, who else we're talking about? Russell uh, Westbrook in Russell, Oklahoma City. I mean, Can come on, what's, what's bad about George? those guys? What's bad about those guys? I mean, really? What's bad? About, you don't even hear stuff about the owners in NBA. In the NBA. Uh, you don't hear anything about the head coaches for the most part, other than Greg Popovich uh, in the NBA. But in the NFL, you're talking about the Rooney family. You're talking about the Mara family. You're talking about the Kraft family. Uh, you're talking about what's taking place in Cleveland and how that team has been you know, moved around around the country and finally getting back to its place and what have they accomplished since. Uh, you've seen how many quarterbacks. You don't have those types of in-depth conversations in the NBA. Basketball players are with teams for probably star players, a minimum of five years, minimum. How long LeBron James has been with the Cleveland Cavaliers throughout his 15-year career? He played there, he went to Miami one, and went right back to Cleveland. That's a story. Kobe Bryant, he went from number number eight to number 24. Matter of fact, they retired both jerseys on the same night. <laughs> Never been done before in the history of any sports to where you, you have a, a jersey, two jerseys being retired. So, you know, you look at this case in New England with Jimmy Garoppolo and, 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 and his buddy who having, they both have the same agent and Tom Brady. And then you have Mr. Kraft and also Bill Belichick and, and also Alex Guerrero, who's the personal trainer of the New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady and a few other players on that roster. So I think the drama and the buildup, I think the insight into the NFL is a little bit more deeper than the NBA. The NBA comes across as we're the good guys. You know, we, we, we make sure we show where we're doing things from a charitable standpoint when it comes to building homes and being uh, giving back for us. Charities are concerned and, and just having your face out there to the point where it's more of a reserve and laid back sport. We go to games, we can wear our best outfits when it's time to go to NBA games. You go to an NFL game, baby, you might want to put on your cutting grass shoes because you don't know if it's going to rain. You don't know if you're going to get in a fight. You don't know what's going to happen. Might drink a little beer, might stumble down a couple, couple seats down below. And you have to get right back up sitting in your seat unless the security come get you and pull you out. But the NFL is king on every level. You have so many emotions in the game of football, not just on the football field, but just the fan base. How many fans we hear that are disgruntled in basketball? Like where? Who no, do we hear? Right. I mean, There's they more still... apathy. There's passion. Yeah. There's enthusiasm. Think about the Bills fan base and all the I mean, hijinks we saw in the parking lot on the road in Jacksonville on Sunday. Big time. I mean, look, it's it's one of those cases when you think of a team that hadn't been to the postseason in 18 years. You know, the Bills, 18 years. The Jags, 13 years. Okay, when you think about it, the Rams. T- when you really start putting in perspective to when the last time these teams saw the postseason – I mean, there's a lot of drama. Then you bring all the old players back. 
and you have them on television with their gray hairs in the face and you know you go all the way back to the Jim Kelly days when they were there in the late 80s and early 90s man it was it was some Thurman Thomas Andre Reed Jim Kelly I mean you go Bruce who was it um the outside linebacker Bruce defensive end Yes. I mean, you have so many different players on that football team to where when this team actually made it to the championship. Come on, man. What more can you say? Can't even break it. You can't even. There's no comparison. There's more drama in football. The guy just got a 10-year, $100 million deal after being in the booth for, what, seven years? John Gruden? Come on, man. We're not having that. My man down in Dallas with the Mavericks, the owner there. Mark Cuban. Yeah. He may be the most... Drama fine owner of them all. Probably most fine owner of any owner in the history of basketball. Because he's so intense and he's right there on the he's right there on the sideline. He's right there on court side. Excuse me, talking football. He's right there court side. But it, it but it brings a lot of flair to the NBA. You know, I think you go back to the eighties and the back to the to, to the mid eighties when you had Larry Bird and those guys were in the game and the Detroit Pistons, Pistons were the bad boys. Okay, when you want to go back to the, in the Lakers, you had A.C. Green, you, you had uh, Magic Johnson. When you go back, James Worthy, when you, go back to, when you go back to that time, okay, you compare that time and you put it now into today's NFL. I think there would be some competition because the physicality and, and the drama and all of the, the everything that you had going on back way back when was different. Right. Today's NBA is all Today's about the three, NBA, as we know, right? It's all about it's all the outside money. game. Everybody wants to be the Warriors. So yep. the reason I pointed out the Gallup poll is just to validate what we know to be true. Football is king. And when we get to the Super Bowl on NBC, of course, on TuneIn Premium, coming up next month in Minnesota, it'll be the number one television show again. Still, because we come up with power rankings and seedings for everything, let's go through these potential matchups and talk about watchability, understanding we're going to watch either way, but what would truly be must-see TV. So let's start with the reigning NFC champs. Cordell, I'm just going to run through Falcons versus teams from the AFC. Let's say the Titans stone the world. They beat the Patriots, then they win the AFC championship game. Just in terms of sheer watchability, how do you think a casual fan would react to Falcons versus Titans in Minnesota? Oh, it will, I, I'll tell you what will happen. Those international fans that love the Jacksonville Jaguars in London, they'll be at the game for sure. <laughs> that would be an entertaining and international Super Bowl. Ratings? Hmm. It wouldn't be good. I don't I don't think it would be good at all. Falcons? Jags? Okay, Blake well, that, that was my next one. I gave you Falcons Titans first. Titans, well that one well, that one too. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know why my mind went there, but well, because the they're Titans, equivalents. Because in terms of the interest of casual fans, we all want to see if we're going to see the Falcons either the Super Bowl rematch against the Patriots or Falcon Steelers would be a juicy game as well. Yeah, I think here, here's the thing. Going back to the Titans, they may have to bring up some conversation about the coaches playing with the Steelers to bring any relevance. I think oh, for yeah. the Titans. You're right. That would be there all sure. of the NBC video, right? right? Hey, there's Mike Malarkey wearing a Steeler hat, talking to Cordell Stewart back in the day. Back in the day, and then you have all the other assistant coaches. You probably. Have have maybe a half a dozen assistant coaches on that roster that once either played for the Steelers or coached for the Steelers in some capacity. So that would be one of those cases. And then Blake Borders and the Jags. And, and what was the last one we just mentioned? The Steelers and... Well, we're just taking it team by team. So we were making the connection between the Titans and the Steelers in, in general, yeah. if that yeah. was the AFC Championship game. Let's just finish our thought on Atlanta. What would be more appealing to you? 
Super Bowl rematch, Atlanta versus New England, and we were just here the entire week in Minnesota, 28-3 third quarter, 28-3 third quarter, or a different matchup, Falcons versus Steelers in the Super Bowl. I think that could be a that could be a good one. I think um, they can build it up to be uh, one that 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 showed a team in, in Atlanta that had a solid year last year and was down twenty eight to three and they lost that game. But now they uh, through adversity and, and overcoming, uh, they end up getting back. Which statistically is shown that teams who lose the Super Bowl very rarely make it back to the postseason, let alone having a chance to get back into the Super Bowl. So you know the Steelers are going to have it's going to be a boatload of of uh, yellow towels, the Myron the, the Cope uh, towels, terrible towels swinging in the air because every time the Steelers come to Atlanta, you know, it, it looked like it's still a nation everywhere. Not as it, it, it doesn't, you don't see any red anywhere other than what you see on the, on the LED screens they have uh, in, throughout the entire Georgia Dome at that time. Uh, it hadn't happened this year in the new Mercedes-Benz Dome here, but I think it would be a, it, it would be a much better game uh, then I would think it would be against the Titans and the Jaguars because the Steelers, it's going to be all about the Steelers. It's not going to be nothing about the Falcons. It will 100% be about the Steelers, and that's why I think there would be some great relevance to that Super Bowl. Uh, and I think everyone, everyone probably will cover it as such too. And I think that's the answer for all these combinations. So long as it's Pittsburgh or New England coming out of the AFC, casual fans will have more interest. But we're going to go through it methodically. All right, what about the Eagles? If they make it to the Super Bowl, and I think we know the answer, I'm not going to waste our time. Eagles versus Titans, Eagles versus Jaguars. Other than Jacksonville's never been there. Think about the trajectory this year coming off a three-win season to make it to the Super Bowl. But I give you Eagles versus Patriots. T.O., I'm sure, will be strutting around that week all the conversation about what happened when those teams met up years ago or the all pennsylvania super bowl cordell you want eagles versus steelers well eagles versus steelers eagles versus eagles versus new england i think will be two great super bowls regardless um the thing is 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 in the in the afc you have two great teams in pittsburgh and new england and in the nfc uh i think you have in my mind i think four good teams. Uh, Philadelphia's a good one. I think Atlanta's a good one. New Orleans for sure would be a good one because they've gone. And I think Minnesota would be probably even better because it's right there in the hometown, in the home state. Um, so the, the NFC would win that battle uh, in comparison to the AFC far as if you had one of those teams throughout the AFC, the NFC, playing against New England or Pittsburgh, I think either way the cut go, it would be a very good Super Bowl, but if Philadelphia and Pitt were to go, because this is a conversation we had early during our show during the season, is what if there were to be a Pennsylvania Super Super Bowl where you have Pittsburgh and the Philadelphia Eagles playing in it? How great would that be? Everyone in the state of Pennsylvania would be gone. If you want to grab, if you want to be able to take a plane out of someone's yard, that's the time to go in the state of Pennsylvania because they all will be gone. No one will be home. Everybody, the streets will be vacant. They will need, and there will be no security, no police, no law enforcement on the road because nobody's going out. Matter of fact, you would think there's a blizzard coming and everything's going to be closed because they're going to get everything they need the night prior and they're going to watch the buildup from the midnight hour leading all the way up to the Super Bowl, all Philadelphia fans as well as Steelers fans because they're going to want to see uh, the buildup as far as how things are going to be produced and the editing of all the great stuff that fans are doing there in Minnesota as well as the players. And, and what does it mean to them to actually end up representing their state in the state of Pennsylvania? 
as we think about other combinations, and you hit on it well, anything involving Minnesota hosting the Super Bowl, playing on their home field, that would be sensational, especially with your guy, Case Keenum. Because think Mm. about casual fans who don't pay attention, Cordell. They sit down on Super Bowl Sunday, some of them to watch the commercials. When NBC tells that story of Case Keenum, this is like a movie, man. Mm. This is Rocky. Undrafted out of Houston, cut repeatedly by the Texans, winds up in St. Louis, does okay, moves with the team to L.A., 3-1 and start, he loses his gig, and now he's in the Super Bowl? My man, you couldn't make that story up. Dude, I'm sitting here watching ESPN today, and I'm, I'm hearing um, someone say, and I, my back was turned, I couldn't see who it was that said it, but said Nick Foles probably was the best uh, backup in the National Football League. So are you kidding me? Have you not been watching the Minnesota Vikings? The best backup in all of football this season, of course, is Case Keenum. Just imagine if you were to have the Minnesota Vikings actually playing in this game with all the Minnesota Vikings fans walking all over the place. It would be pandemonium. It would be because <laughs> of my guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian, give me a minute. I know it's late today, but here, Case Keenum in the Minnesota <laughs> I mean, I'm about to catch a crap in my neck when I say it, but I can't help it because it comes out that way. But that's what that's what he's done for this organization, filling in for Sam Bradford and doing a tremendous job. But getting this team to 13 and three, one of the better years of this organization's existence, to be honest with you, and all in the hands of that guy number seven, Case Keenum. Um, you got to give him some love, some love, and you better believe if they played against New England or even Pittsburgh. The story of that week will be 100%. Let's go back. Let's go. Okay, 99.9% about Case Keenum. And wondering about, and also giving Thielen an opportunity. Even if they play the get, Patriots. Rather than the Patriots oh, going back to back, dude. it's about Case Keenum and Minnesota making history playing the Super Bowl on their home field. And that sounds crazy. Yeah. And it sounds crazy. But it's reality because what's the better story to talk about? It's not about New England. Sure it is. Is no, Belichick it's not, in the league? Because it's boring. boring. It's boring. Within the organization, is Tom We've Brady finally going to retire? Come on. I'm giving it's, you it's, a national storyline. It's boring. Case it's boring. I'm just telling you, it's boring. Because you've seen the story. We talk about it every year. When we talk about it, Andy Hart, when he comes on, one of the beat writers there out of New England. What, 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 what do we talk about? It's, it's hard for him to talk about anything because we've pretty much covered every single thing when it comes to New England. Like, there's not too many flaws. Because you know why? You know why? You know where the Band-Aid is? You know You know where the peroxide is? The peroxide is Tom Brady, number 12. As long as he's on the field, who cares? As long as Bill Belichick, who cares? But a story that needs to be talked about and needs to be brought up to that level to where it matches the energy of what's taking place, which is a Super Bowl. It's in their state, in their city. They're representing, matter of fact, they're hosting the Super Bowl on every level. Are you kidding me? This guy comes out of Houston with the Cougars. He leads still statistically in the NCAA when it comes to being a QB, when it comes to those stats, doing a phenomenal job. Got his jersey retired. This kid goes, as you mentioned, to Houston. Got to put a little bit more on top of it. Goes to Houston. He plays average at best. He goes to, to St. Louis. I and That's when I became a big fan. He got concussed against the Baltimore Ravens. He comes back and he wins like the last two to three games of the season. Then he starts in the next year off going three and one. And then before you know it, whoop. There it is. The bottom falls out. Everyone, the, the bottom falls out for everyone, not just for him. But he gets an opportunity to go to Minnesota. And he fills in for Sam Bradford, who actually was playing some really, really good football. Goes out and played against the Chicago Bears. 
He has a bruised bone in his in his knee where he was had his knee uh, was repaired via his 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 ACL tears a couple times. And what does he do? He come back in that game against the Bears and he rallied the troops and he ended up winning that football game and no one gave him credit then. And they still aren't trying to give him credit. We're still trying to uh, suppress what he's done. But he makes it to a Super Bowl. There's no there's no conversation. But a Case Keenan situation. Uh, Case, <laughs> one more time. Can I get the horn, please? Just for just for the sake of conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You all right? Back to you. No, are you all right? Because you <laughs> well, can't stand it. <laughs> I have I no animus whatsoever to Case Keenum personally, but let's just rank storylines if it's Minnesota and New England in the Super Bowl. Storyline number one, is this going to be the final game for Tom Brady? Storyline number two, would Bill Belichick retire after this game? Storyline number three, what's the future for the Patriots? If they lose one of their icons, storyline number four, Minnesota making history, playing the big game on their home field. Storyline number five is your guy, Case Keenum. I think I think they almost balances themselves out, to be honest. Uh, I know the big story in conversation would be Tom Brady. Uh, and then wanting to ask, you know, bring it back up to Jimmy Garoppolo, to uh, Mr. Kraft, and, 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 and having that conversation allegedly because they say there's no there there with that conversation. And, um, uh, to, to even Bill Belichick and sound like he was disgruntled based on the reports. There's no there there. We're not sure. Uh, but that is the juicy story. Let's just be transparent. That is the juicy story. But you can't minimize the story of a Case Keenum. It's impossible. Whether you like it or not, it's impossible. We would not ignore it, but if we're just ranking these stories, Case Keenum um, is behind Case all the Patriot-driven content. Um, I think everyone's behind the Patriot-driven content. Every every Everything in the National Football League is trumped by that conversation before we get to the Super Bowl. Honestly, you know what? When it comes to telling stories about New England, whether how they win or even how they lose, they trump everything, literally. Because you, you're, you're trying to figure out a way to ease your way into how this organization thinks. Because we still don't know. And that's what makes them, I think, the driving force when it comes to coverage. If we get an opportunity to get Bill Belichick, that, that is like the get of the year. If we get an opportunity to talk to a Tom Brady, that is a get of the, that's the get of the year. We can get a lot of other guys. A lot of guys don't, don't bring that type of sizzle when it comes down to covering these players. I mean, think of Tom Brady. Come on, man. He had his Alex, Alex Guerrero was his trainer. The only player in the National Football League that had his personal trainer everywhere he went when it came down to being a part of the organization, whether it's the sideline or whatever they did. So that that story within itself, just that one, not even talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, just that one. With right, and we Alex did it Guerrero, last year it it all. And now we have more drama with the departure of Guerrero. Got two minutes yeah. left. I give you Saints versus Steelers or Saints versus Patriots. What's the better game? I think they both balance out somewhat the same uh, because the passing game of all three offenses, I think they 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 probably it's probably much a, it's probably a wash. Um, but I would say Sean Payton would get the edge because he knows how to call the games ten times better than a Todd Haley, and of course we know Josh McDaniels he calls it much better than a Todd Haley. But talent wise, the Steelers has the best have the best talent I would say on their roster. Outside of maybe the running back position, because obviously we know uh, Kamara and as well as Ingram, uh, two thousand yard rushers uh, who have who have gone into um, the Pro Bowl together, which is the first time that's happened in many, many, many years. Uh, especially having two thousand yard rushers, I mean, it hasn't happened all the way back to maybe the sixties or the seven fifties or something to that extent. 
Uh, but I, I think they both would be either one. I think they would be good um, because of the quarterbacks, all Hall of Fame quarterbacks, uh, defenses. You know, it, it's unfortunate that you don't have Pittsburgh in the NFC and having obviously New England in, in the AFC because you got, of course, um, a man Debo. But I think those three games, whatever combination you Hitler's, go with, it will be phenomenal. Huge number. NBC yeah. would be smiling Great either number. way because the promo is Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers versus Drew Brees and the Saints or Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, and they put up all their Hall of Fame numbers. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites, we've rounded up our favorites and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John, S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's spotlight the reigning world champions from New England with Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. Andy, since all the big names within the Patriots are denying the ESPN report detailing alleged friction within the organization, is this fake news, alternative facts? What do you make of the story? You know, I'm sure there's some truth to it. Um, I'm a big believer that anytime there's, you know, long-term relationships, whether it's, you know, marriages or teams or businesses, there's friction. You know, there's little smoke, there's little, uh, little fires along the way. And, and I think, quite frankly, that's happened many times over the years with the Patriots. Plenty of things I've heard about that have gone on behind the scenes. And you know what? The team keeps chugging along and winning. And um, it's not always just, you know, rosy, rosy glasses on the way to victory. You've got to have some speed bumps. Um, that said, do I think there is this, you know, great divide that this is going to be the end of, of Belichick, Brady, Kraft? Uh, no. Um, quite frankly, the only guy that I could see any way has come to an end is Bill Belichick, and that's because he's going to be 66, and there's a good chance both his coordinators leave, and there's a good chance he's going to be coming off another Super Bowl, and I think that's an age, whether you're a coach or you're, you know, a mailman. <laughs> you're thinking about retirement, you're looking at what you got in the bank for the 401k, and He's saying, you know what, I've had a good run. Maybe I want to do something else. But um, other than that, I just don't see, um, you know, the, the real friction that is sort of created in that ESPN story. Um, I'm sure some of the, the, the stories, the details, the anecdotes are accurate. But I also think you could have painted the same story probably five years ago with just a different spin and sort of the theme of the story being, you know, even the great Patriots, Belichick, Brady, and Kraft have – um, issues behind the scenes, but they find a way to get past them, and I think that would uh, that would be the case, and that would be the the greater reality. Andy, being that you're there, uh, you're going to have a little bit more, let's just say, substance about the story uh, because you're closer to it. You'll feel a little different, but from the outside looking in, for me, it looks like a little tit for tat. Uh, you, from what you hear, it's a, a coach, uh, Mr. Kraft, who's basically saying, I don't want to give Jimmy Garoppolo, even though they offered him a four-year, $70 million deal, I don't want to give him any more than that. And then all of a sudden you see he gone to the, he's gone to the San Francisco 49ers, and all of a sudden now you have Coach Bill Belichick who's frustrated, and now all of a sudden Alex Guerrero has gone. Is there any validity or any there there, as they say in politics, in that, in that story? Because it seemed like it's, it's spot on when you see how things have gone over the last few weeks. 
Well, as you know, you bring up politics, and one of the big words in politics is optics, right? The way things look. Um, and, you know, there's been some, some things here that have changed. You know, first of all, I would say a big part of this story is sort of revisionist history. When Bill Belichick traded Jimmy Garoppolo, he was trading a backup quarterback who had started two games and finished one of them. Um, he was trading a backup quarterback who there were plenty of stories in New England last year in September that uh, Belichick was not happy with Garoppolo. The team was upset with Garoppolo. They thought he should have come back sooner from the shoulder injury. He shouldn't have missed. The, the, the two games, the final two games of Brady's suspension, there were stories about they didn't like the way he was competing in the summer. That He seemed like a guy resigned to the fact that he was stuck behind Brady and they didn't like his energy level. There were stories like that out of Boston. Now it's Garoppolo was a franchise quarterback. Belichick loved him. Look what he's doing in San Francisco, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, some of that changes when you see a guy go on a winning streak for a team like the 49ers to close out the season, and he has, you know, quote, unquote, an undefeated streak as a starting quarterback. Um, but you know, th- there are some realities to it. There are, the reality is that Bill Belichick has limited Alex Guerrero. He used to be on the plane. He used to be on the sideline. That is no longer true. I blame Bill Belichick for that. You know, and I've, I've made this comparison a number of times. He, I think, let Guerrero go too far with his access to the team and his role within the team without actually having a role for the team. Um, it's like a, a, a teacher early in the year, the beginning of the school year. You hear all these teachers, you've got to start out strict, and then you loosen up as the year goes on. Because if you start out loose and try to rein it in, it never works. It never works successfully. Everybody's mad. And I think that's how this is. You know, there were certain access Guerrero had. They rein it in. Maybe there are some hurt feelings. But the reality of the situation is I don't think this has a hint of an effect on what's going to take place on the field this Saturday night the following Sunday if they move on to the AFC title game. Um, the reality is that they are able to compartmentalize over the years, whether it's spy gate, deflate gate, whatever you want to call this gate, ESPN gate. Um, and the reality is they, they find a way to get through it. And I think it's, it's a nice story for us to all talk about during the bye week, the boredom of the bye week. Um, but I'm not sure there's a lot of substance there in the end. Plus, in all candor, and hopefully we're not guilty of it because we're comprehensive and cover all 32 teams, no one's given the Titans a shot in this game. What's the view as you interact with Patriot fans? Are they viewing this as a glorified scrimmage? For the most part, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I know Mike Mitchell took some heat for that story that came out with him talking about beating the Patriots and, you know, looking ahead past the Jaguars. Well, fans are doing that around here. Um, You know, Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe wrote his usual column about no chances, the double bye week for the Patriots and Tomato Can City and all that. Um, but the reality is the Titans aren't a very good football team. You know, I listened to Bill Belichick tell me yesterday how good they were, and then he sort of emphasized the kicking game more than anything else. And anytime <laughs> Bill resorts to talking specialists and kickers, it feels like he's, you know, doing the hard sell and doesn't have a lot of content. And, I mean, this is a Titans team. You watch that game, they, they could have easily gotten blown out by the Chiefs. They're the only playoff team that gave up more points than they scored, a negative point differential. Their greatest strength is stopping the run, which isn't necessarily the greatest strength to have going into a, a battle with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and the Patriots. Uh, Marcus Mariota did not have a good year. He may have put on a, a nice little Superman performance in the comeback, but he's a guy that there's no efficiency in that passing game. Um, and even their, their big brute running back coming off a big game you know, the Patriots' run defense was better recently, and they generally have more trouble with the, the quick, slashing, fast guys, not the, the big power backs like Derrick Henry. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are looking at this as a tune-up for the Steelers, quite frankly. 
So this the, the cliche conversation of just play the keep away game. It won't work in this case for the Titans and the New England Patriots. No, I, you know, one of the strengths of this Patriots team has been red zone defense. So, you know, the Titans try to play keep away. And even if they do it successfully, run the ball. You know, I, I think the one way they control the ball is it's not Henry. I, if I'm Marcus Mariota, I come into this game thinking I need to rush for a buck 20 as a quarterback. I need to run. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best job for my team running the football, read option, keeping it, making some big plays. But even if they do that, it's, you still have to punch it in the end zone, and then you still get to stop, stop Tom Brady. Um, and that, that's another factor here that, you know, maybe it's a little homeristic for Patriots fans. They're getting James White back, missed the last couple of weeks of the season. They're getting Chris Hogan back, missed basically the second half of the season. Uh, Tom Brady's no longer in the injury report. I'm guessing he's healthier coming out of the bye than he was in the final month. There's a chance this offense is better than it was when people were wondering why it was sort of stumbling or sputtering a little bit down the stretch. So, you know, it's a, a questionable team on the other side of the ball and maybe the chance, oh, by the way, Kyle Van Oy on defense is healthy now. The, the edge of the defense, that was a problem. Uh, James Harrison's been here a couple of weeks. So this is probably a healthier and better Patriots team than we've seen over the last month and a half of the season. And, you know, you put that against the Titans, and that's why you have a, a two-touchdown favorite that everybody expects to roll. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio, Patriots team channel on TuneIn. Tom Brady, I think, is going to win the league MVP award, but you've made the argument on this program, Rob Gronkowski could be the Patriots team MVP. So now that the regular season is over, you sticking with that point of view? Yeah, I mean, the quarterback is the most important position in football. It's the be-all, end-all. We know that. Um, that's why we watched an ugly wild card weekend game with with the Bills and the Jaguars because neither team had a, a very good quarterback. Um, so I always think there's a greater importance on the quarterback position. You look at Brady's numbers, he had a, a good year, not a historic year, not a great year, but basically top five in every category, um, passer rating, you know, whatever it is, anything you want to judge him on. And, you know, that for a number one seed, 13-win football team. But if you watch game to game, Patriots and sort of judge it on maybe the games like Miami where Gronk was suspended. It's, it's a different beast when he's on the field. You know, they don't win that game in Pittsburgh without Rob Gronkowski. It was throw to Gronkowski, one, two, three, we're down the field. Okay, now let's run it behind Rob Gronkowski for the touchdown. Okay, now let's throw it to him for the two-point conversion. It's a pretty simple offense. They like, they like to make it sound like rocket science, but it's throw to 87. And he has just been such a key factor on this offense. You know, sometimes it's, it's as a decoy, you know, triple covered, and that allows Brandon Cooks to run free on the other side of the field. So, yeah, you can make a strong uh, argument for the importance of Gronkowski, but the reality is MVP's a quarterback award. Tom Brady had one of the best seasons as a quarterback for one of the best teams, and, uh, and he's going to win it. Andy, as always, we appreciate the information. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll chat with you next week, presumably getting ready for the conference title game. That's right. Steelers, Patriots, and Foxborough. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.